When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I am David Gaspers, uh, welcoming you to show number three. I am with Honky. Hello. And Boomer. Greetings. He lives. Yes. He is alive, folks. Barely. Boomer is on the show. We've we've got uh, Honky and uh, Boomer here to talk all things Husker uh, sports. Um, we are missing uh, Mac tonight. Uh, he had a uh, family manner he needed to attend to. Uh, hopefully everything is uh, well there and um, our thoughts and prayers are, are with him. Uh, but we are talking uh, Husker football, Husker basketball, Husker baseball today. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. It was a good week in uh, Huskerland, really. Um, I think there was a lot of a lot of positive energy coming out of um, Memorial Stadium after spring ball. We got um, more recruits, uh, lots of good uh, press out of the uh, swarming the state tour that uh, the coaching staff did. Uh, I believe that was Thursday or Friday. Uh, baseball wise, uh, an important weekend for uh, Husker baseball up in Minnesota, and they were able to uh, win an important series up there versus the Gophers, Uh, some basketball recruits as well, so lots of stuff to cover. You know, before we go any further um, with uh, recruiting, which, you know, the energy is is really picking up. Um, You know, Honky, did you want to jump here, jump in really quick on, on, on the recruiting aspect before I dive into quarterbacks? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's something about this week here as a Husker fan, there's a lot of us out there that, that maybe get a little skeptical about things or, or, you know, we're hesitant to really jump on and, and, you know, ride the hype train and everything. But there's one thing that Mac has kind of taught me in the years. And, and that is, it is okay to sit back and enjoy Husker sports every now and then, you know, and, and we, we want to break down everything to, to the finest detail. And I am as guilty of it, of it as anyone. Uh, my credentials, if you, if you guys don't know, I've coached midget football for 15 years. I was an athletic director of it. I've coached Husker players that went on to have scholarships and walk-ons. I've coached with Husker, former Husker players. I've coached against former Husker players. Um, and, and because of that, sometimes I can watch games and I can get so down into the nitty gritty and I can, I, I get physically ill when I see a, uh, when I see like a, a legal formation as an example, but when it comes down to it, this week here was a good week. It's okay for those Husker fans, like I call them the old curmudgeons. Myself is part of that. It was okay to enjoy what you saw here. We got some recruits there on football, so those Jayskers can be happy. If you're a Husk Jay and you just like Nebraska basketball and Creighton football, well, then you are a glutton for punishment. But um, but it's okay. You had a good week too. Uh, your basketball team uh, got some recruits. We started getting guys in the door, so that's good. And for those baseball fans, like Dave said, you know we've now beaten – Three of the top uh, teams in the in the the conference there in, in series, and and it's good too. So you know it's not time to shut down the men's you know programs. We do have 
uh, some good uh, <laughs> some good things going on across the board, and, and it is okay to enjoy it. So smile, be happy, and and go big. Yeah, red. you know, I mean, I, I do get really excited when I do hear some of these recruits. I mean, it seems like Riley is really charged up right now from the spring game, and you know, Bookie says stuff. He, he's already a great peer recruiter. I mean, that guy is just a natural recruiter, and he in one of his articles was saying how he he was feeling that Mike Riley is building an empire at Nebraska and is is going to be changing college football forever and it doesn't I don't know what that means but it sure sounds good right I mean Riley wins the offseason uh every year we and are Boogie is helping him do it again and an empire now this is I this know. is awesome I've always wanted to build an empire <laughs> well, we're just exciting. building the empire we're not the empire yet so. <laughs> <laughs> well then we well, can strike ever, back it's going to be great there you go ever since the Callahan era started here. You know, everything that's been kind of post Devaney Osborne Solich, we've kind of been trying to reach this point of like, what does it take to recruit here and be able to run these offenses that they want to run? And it's going to take a mixture of obviously the in-state kids. I've talked about that in the past, but you've got to be good in some of those key areas. And Callahan kind of was able to do it here and there, but, but Riley and them have really doubled down and we're going to go into California. We're going to get receivers and we're going to get quarterbacks and and I was skeptical from the start that that could happen, but you know what? He they keep proving me wrong. I mean they they are going into there and they have they're not only yeah. bringing kids here into into spring games, but they're getting them to commit. And I'm going to use that word. Uh, the feedback from from last week about 75 percent of our social media and email actually said to use pledge instead of commit. But what I'm going to do is if a kid shuts down his recruiting, if he says I am done recruiting. I am I am going to concede and call you a commit. If a kid goes, I am a huge Nebraska commit, and I have four different visits to other schools, you are a pledge. You are not a commit then. So that that's yeah. that's, no, that's my fair. little. I hear you. You know that's where you. I'll, I'll, the, I'll kind um, of play both sides of it there. You know, I think the I, and I'm all right with pledge. I mean, if that's that's what the uh, the listeners want, I, I did actually get a really good uh, suggestion and one that you, you forget to use the term verbal. Um, is uh, also quite accurate, right? It's a verbal commitment. So you can just call them verbal or verbals. Uh, but I'm all right. Let's use pledges. Uh, that's solid. Uh, <laughs> now that matter has been settled. So, you know, I'm looking forward to diving into recruiting heavy here. Uh, but uh, it all starts and ends recruiting-wise and on the field with quarterback. And we've recruited well at quarterback. Langsdorf goes out and identifies uh the guy he wants early in his, the cycle and has landed um, two four-star guys out of California here with O'Brien and Jebbia. But someone that kind of fell into his lap uh, was named starting quarterback this week. Tanner Lee was given the job, um, at least going into fall camp by Riley. Uh, no surprise uh, to anyone uh, on this show or uh, most of Husker Nation, I think, at that point. Uh, Honky, uh, any thoughts uh, besides no duh on Lee being name starter? Well, we talked about it last week, and and I, I listened to our show last week, and I think that I came off almost sounding a little bit like I didn't want Lee to be the starter, and that was never my intention. My intention was, did we have a legitimate competition? If the competition was solely about that Lee has previous you know playing experience at Tulane, well, then there's no competition. If that's the only determinant was who's the guy that has former, you know, starting experience at D1 level, then we knew the answer coming in. You know, Devaney talked about it on signing day about, you know, the the accolades that, that Lee's had. 
Lee, uh, my only concern I have, and this is something that a, probably a Jerry DiNardo would, would echo, you know, with the BTN tour they did last year when he called us a Pac-12 practice, is that were we physical enough? Did we get our QBs hit and have them do enough situations that's real football getting tackled and having to make plays against that? That's my only concern, not just for Lee, but for all of them. So, you know, Jebbia looked really good in that spring game. Again, and by the way, he's a true freshman there, you know, our high school senior really. But not only did he look good in the spring game, but the argument then would be he wasn't getting hit and he knew he wasn't going to get hit. So, you know, you play it a little differently. Point is, Lee's the guy, and now we move forward and that's it. And And I'll just say this too. If history is anything on the side of Lee right now, Nebraska's had some really good QB play for about the last 12 years. Sure. Good QB. Maybe not really good, but good, okay? I'll, I'll go all the way back to, like, Zach Taylor. And Depending if you look the system, at the, yeah. the, who the QB play has been with, it hasn't been the high-accolade four-star guy. It's been Zach Taylor, who was the three-star afterthought. It was two-star Joe Gantz. It was Taylor Martinez, who came here as, a, as an athlete. And, you know, Armstrong maybe had the most accolades of any of the guys that have actually ended up playing. But when you go down the list of the four stars, the Sam Kellers, the Harrison Becks, the Zach Lees, Cody Greens, Breon Carnes, Brian Hildebrand, for cripe's sakes, you know, these guys, they're not the ones that have produced. So if history has anything on its side, Zach Lee, or I'm sorry, not Zach Lee, Tanner Lee is going to be the guy <laughs> over over uh, P.O.B. And, and, and Jebbia, those those two California cool four stars that, that you yeah. know, will have to wait for two years, so. So there. Well, maybe one year. We'll see. Um, maybe. Well, you know, well, yeah, because Lee's going to go pro after this year, I forgot. Right, exactly, so. which is actually is perfect segue. I don't think we need to talk about this anymore, but Boomer, <laughs> uh, I know you know you're the research guy. Could you uh, look up um, uh, Nebraska quarterbacks in the NFL? Uh, we'll come back to this in a little bit. But, I mean, you know, the thing is is, is <laughs> Lee could be, uh, you know, first-round pick next year. So let's, let's start uh, priming the pump on that one, right? Husker quarterbacks uh, well, in the we, NFL. Uh, I, I have airplane in my in my memory, and it's like the uh, the famous I've got a Jewish to sports. You. Yeah, yeah, pamphlet. The famous Jewish sports <laughs> legends. You know, famous Husker quarterbacks on the pros. All right, we're gonna come back and uh, hit recruiting hard with uh, scarlet colored glasses up next. Go Big Redcast producer Skip here. We hope you've been enjoying the podcast. If you'd like to follow along throughout the year, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can also listen and follow on our SoundCloud page. And if you like what you've been hearing, please tell a friend or family member about it who you think would also enjoy this Husker talk. If you have any questions, comments, disagreements, or topics you'd like to see discussed or debated, email us at gobigredcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on social media and follow along with the crew as they post and crack wise about all things Husker sports on Twitter and Facebook at Go Big Redcast. A quick programming note, the boys will be on assignment next week, so don't lose your marbles when you don't see a new podcast. Not to fear, we will be returning the week of May 8th. Now, back to the show. It's Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, now it's time to put on our Scarlet Colored Glasses. This is our... All Things Husker Program segment, uh, talking recruiting in specific this week. Uh, you know, it was another good week in uh, uh, recruiting land. We obviously had a lot of success out of uh, spring ball. A lot of interesting quotes from Riley talking about some silent commits, which is very frustrating. Oh, pledges. Sorry, pledges. Uh, silent pledges that uh, weren't making their um, their. Uh, 
verbal commitment to Nebraska. Um, yeah, if you're silent, yet, you can but, definitely be a pledge. I, I will. Yeah, I don't even know how to that. say this, right? But we did get one, um, Chase Williams, uh, out of uh, Corona, uh, California, not Centennial, but another Corona, California kid, four-star receiver, committed today. Uh, moves us up to I think ninth in the rivals rankings. Uh, eight eight commits, four or five uh, four stars. Uh, so it's it's been a, a good good start to the the season. You know it's interesting. Uh, Riley's also been quoted as as calling this as America's team, which is uh, an interesting to me recruiting angle, saying that you know obviously we're recruiting nationally, uh, but over the week uh, or you know over during this week we we had the. Assistant coaches uh, swarm the state. We, I think they visited 50 high schools in, in one day, uh, covering uh, everything from uh, western Nebraska to both Lincoln and Omaha metros and making a more uh, a specific pitch to the in-state kids. No offers were were uh, extended that I, I know of. Um, you know, I, I th- the recruiting thing here with Riley is is pretty pretty phenomenal. I think they... Uh, have uh, some momentum here that we haven't even seen since probably Callahan's first or second class where he got a, a top five class. And I think it's really uh, interesting to to watch this staff uh, try to uh, have a uh, manipulation almost of the of the media of this positive vibe of of uh, Nebraska football, hopefully that starts to spread nationally. More people are picking up on on the uh, positive things that are happening. I, I'm curious to to I'll throw this out to you, Honky, um, in, on how a coaching staff evaluates recruits and decides to extend offers or, or not. Uh, I'll go back to uh, a, a couple shows ago where we talked about Chris Walker. And nothing against Chris Walker at all. I'm actually I'm really excited about the guy. He's big, uh, physical lineman from uh, Lincoln East, uh, but he was uh, a two-star recruit. And I think you know there's a, a, a legitimate question on on why Nebraska Nebraska kids or kids that aren't from Florida, Texas, or California um, who don't go to rivals camps or other camps only get two stars. Uh, because they just don't have enough footage out there to, to have those those numbers. But each coaching staff, especially in the Power Five, clearly is having their own evaluations. And you could make the argument that the Nebraska kids don't get looked at close enough. And I think the Swarm of the States um, uh, effort over the week uh, is a, a good you know change in, in Riley's approach to that. But if if you have a uh, an evaluation where you have ten different offensive linemen, and Chris Walker is somewhere in the middle of the pack, and you only have one position uh, available, and you've offered the number one guy on your on your board, whether that's a rivals five star or whatever, but your evaluation says that that guy is the best, and you can't necessarily offer everyone on your list. Uh, until you've you've have some clarity on the folks that are on the top of your board, and so I, I would say that Chris Walker, even though he didn't get offered until till later, actually got preferential treatment in some regards um, by the Husker recruiting staff because if you looked at his his film and his numbers, there's probably a hundred Chris Walkers out there in Florida and. Texas or California that never even would have got the offer. He got the offer because he was from Lincoln. 
he didn't get offered earlier because he didn't score as high on the evaluation from the Nebraska coaching staff as Foster Sorrell um, or Chuck Feliga. Um, I don't think that's actually against Nebraska players. I just think that's an evaluation of, of how how they do their business. Uh, Honky, uh, would you like to disagree with that? Well, I, I'll go back to that first show that we had where we talked about this. And between you and Mac, you guys, the conversation that we had, which I won clearly, but um, what? the conversation no that we had, the conversation <laughs> that we had, you. Uh, you guys, you guys made the, the assumption that I somehow assumed that, uh, you know, the coaching staff was making their decisions based off of rivals rankings and not doing their own assessments. Well, of course they're doing their own assessments. Uh, my my point here is is things like the swarm the state you get to know those kids early you get to know them often and you un you uncover every rock you you turn over every rock and you find every kid you can in your state if the kid is worthy of an offer you give those kids offers that's not preferential treatment that's just smart that's what you that's what Nebraska football right. needs to do to be Nebraska I understand football. that but I mean so, is it so, fair to them to say that Chris Walker didn't deserve an offer at that point he deserved he deserved an offer from the beginning. And it, and well, that's your was opinion. That, that wasn't their opinion. Well, so I guess what I'm saying is I have a difference of opinion of, of yeah. our coaching So let, staff. let me yes. run out a different hy- hypothesis. Well, well, then. Here, well, let, just wait. Let me, give, let give me, me a, answer give your me question, one, two, Yeah, hold on. Uh, let's okay. let's take this uh, exact type, type of, of scenario and, and say this is in Texas. This is the University of Texas, right, who has 400 yeah. Division I recruits in the state, probably yeah. 200. I'm just throwing numbers out here, but maybe 200 of them uh, power five type, um, you know, recruits and yep. probably 50 or a hundred of them within the rivals top 250 easy. Right. Yeah. And so Texas could, you know, recruit any of those guys and, and a whole bunch of them, as soon as they got their offer, they would accept it. And Texas would have a class of 25, uh, a year ahead of signing date. And I obviously have to rank those, those kids and decide who is going to get offers earlier or or not, right? I mean, they they could sure. offer all their top top guys and they would lose out in a top 100 and they would lose out on the guys they really wanted to. So they have to make an evaluation and be strategic yes, about Dave, who Dave, the scholarships every are not. Coaching, every coaching staff so, makes evaluation. So what's the difference and- between Nebraska being strategic about not offering somebody who was is not the comparison of Foster Sorrell? He was clearly not the top offensive tackle. He was lower on their board, and they knew that they were holding that spot for someone else. So I, I guess I'm going to go back to if you have in-state kids, I would be offering those kids that, that are of quality to, to be offered, I would offer them, okay? And if that means it ends up taking a spot away from somebody else, and and granted, far be it that Foster Sorrell doesn't end up being an all-pro or all all American either. Oh, okay. Absolutely. So I'm not most I mean, of the most point, of the name no recognition idea. that he gets that most people recognize out there isn't isn't coming from Riley and staff. It's coming from it's coming from rivals and it's coming from those others those other places. Where I'm coming from is that when you are Nebraska, not Texas, you are a state that I, I said the the uh, I had the audacity to say that that we could we should get five kids a, a year out of the state. And it was like met with immediate like oh my if gosh. And then kids, I talked about great. and I'm, I talked about I, I went back to the nineties and that was too far back. So I won't go that far back. I'll go back two years ago. And I'll sit there and say, you know, we had uh, it was a year that we got Stilly. And then at the last second we got Inglehop. Well, those are two kids that went division one, power five in this state. There were three others also. Uh Lenners from Lincoln Southwest went down to K State. 
Bubak decommits from us and uh, and and goes down to Arizona, Arizona State. State, and then Noah what? Fant from Omaha ends up going to yeah. Iowa so he can catch I balls against us that, on that. third down. There's five in one year, and Nebraska got two of the five. I can go back to 2008 when we have Baker Steincooler, the big five-star kid, mm-hmm. and then four-star Trevor Robinson who leaves us to go to Notre Dame. Then we get Collins Okafor, and we get Fisher to come here. There's a guy, Tim Beery from Omaha, a tight end that goes down to Kansas, and not today's Kansas. It was a Mark Mangino, Kansas, coming off of an no, Orange I Bowl. Hear you. And then yeah. there's two Prater brothers from Omaha that end up going we to Iowa, Iowa, and one of them becomes right. a and, so and I, one I'm of them becomes the, a you I'm, know an I'm all-conference DB. My point there is that. When you have in-state kids like this, you offer those kids. Right now, last year, we had four kids from the state of Nebraska come here, and I would argue there was only three because one of them, Brock Bando, from a a traditional powerhouse, Lincoln Southeast, felt the need to have to leave the state and go to IMG Academy to turn around and get an offer to come back to Nebraska. All right? Yeah, no. He felt the need to leave here. Now, but that might not be a bad— But just wait. Mm. But it might not be a bad thing that he did that because right now you could be a guy like Bryson Williams— from Lincoln Southeast, who's 6'2 and 295 with offers from K-State and Iowa, who doesn't have an offer from Nebraska yet. Why? Because we have other defensive tackles that we want to get. Well, that's fine. Maybe one of those spots on this on this 15 roster of, of guys that are going to be coming in, one of them's a kicker. Maybe we don't offer a kicker. Maybe we yeah, offer that no, defensive tackle you. spot there. You. Point is you can rework yeah. you can rework your 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 uh, your class. This last, this last week, Rivals talked about Danny Woodhead and how Nebraska missed on Danny Woodhead, but everyone was. That's a yeah. lousy thing to say because Nebraska is the school that should never miss on Nebraska kids. Danny Woodhead, that what they talked about was he's a running back, and he was in a class where we had Brandon Jackson go, and he went in the second round of the, uh, of the NFL draft. Well, we also had Santino Panico in that, in that class. So, you know, maybe yeah, Woodhead I, could have I, taken I, I'm that I'm not spot. in favor of offering My point is Chris Walker— Good football player, Chris Walker, deserving in-state kid. Get that kid, and and if it means somebody else on the, you know, if that, it means that, that's one a, other that's position, a, you don't get somebody, then do that's that. That's an evaluation Foster. there. I look if, if if in your point of other Power Five schools coming into Nebraska, I think that's very valid. Look, I mean, if if that's a getting Power Five a, a recruit in Nebraska is getting Power Power Five uh, attention and offers, uh, I would. Really expect Nebraska to look long and hard at those guys, and I'm disappointed when we lose anybody else to a Power Five. So I, I am completely on board with that. If there's five Power Five recruits plus, that's totally fine. I, should we be offering kickers? I, that's not my my style either. We've been proven that we can do walk-on kickers all day long that become All Conference. Uh, Chris Walker was not being offered by Power Five. Uh, Rudy sure. Stouffer wasn't being offered by Power Five. I'm not going to get in a, a situation where if because Craig Bowl is familiar with Nebraska and has ties here and wants to go get some Nebraska kids at Wyoming, that I'm going to uh, cry about that. Look, I mean, there's a difference between missing out on Power Five guys that leave us to go to Iowa or or any other Big Ten school and guys that are, are uh, just getting Group of Five uh, offers. There's well, I'll tell you. There. I'll tell you right now. Here's a guy that didn't get a, a, a Power Five offer, and yet I think is warranted of one. Would be a guy like C.J. Johnson, son of Cluster, one of the '90s guys I mentioned in, in Week One. Yep. Talking about guys that wouldn't have gotten offers back in the '90s that ended up leading us the titles. Uh, C.J. Johnson goes to Wyoming, wide receiver. Last last week he's a or last year he's a, a redshirt or he redshirts. Then as a redshirt freshman last year, I think he had. Uh, 30 catches, 20, 20 or 30 catches, 300 and some yards, three TDs as a wide receiver. Now, when we look at Riley right now and you look at the last two years, 
we're going to hope that we start to see something out of these wide receivers they just recruited. But up until this point of KJJ, Tyjon, and uh, McQuitty, up until that point, the other two guys that they've recruited here, or two of the three, they've recruited Spielman as a receiver, they recruited Darian Grimm from California, if you remember, yep, that's right. and LeVon Alston. So here we are with lousy depth right now at, at, at wide receiver. We keep getting told that. And yet... And yet, you think a guy right now, no, like C.J. Johnson, who had no look, other, look. who had no other Power Five offers, you think a guy like C.J. Johnson, in-state kid, legacy kid, all of that, you think that guy might be able to assist us? You think he might be warranted and worthy of it? You know, we, if you have I, in-state I, 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 kids I, that are worthy of an offer, you give them the offer. You don't wait until the last second to do it. If, right, you, well, if you're doing we'll, we'll it, just, then you're treating well, them differently. That's just my opinion there. I hear you. You and I, I have coached you. the guess, same amount of minutes, we, you know, with this program. We're never going to agree to agree on this. So I, let's talk a little bit about. Agree. Dave, let's, we don't let's have talk to agree about, on this. I know. We don't I have to that. agree on this. I just I am said saying we're not I am not agree. on. I am not I on board. Said we or I'm not in agree. line with the coaching staff right now on this. I'm okay. not saying that they believe in what I'm saying. But I'm saying I think that's important. Okay. I don't really care if you and I agree on this. Can I ask you another question? Go for it. Thank you. Uh, well, you talk a bunch, and then what? I try to answer, and then you start twisting your your hands around like you're saying, speed it up. Don't yeah. ask a 12-minute question. Expect a two-second answer. All right, all right, all right. There, there's Honky getting a little testy on the backside there. So much for feeling good about this week. I, I, really, I really felt there was a, a, a good segue that I, I lost because I was trying to get to the point of, of the rivals or the star system and, and how it's actually – uh, done and 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 then the negative impacts it may have on on local kids because you're right I mean it, if I live down in Texas and there's I mean they play play way more football down there uh, there's also a lot more coverage from these recruiting services they have all those camps they have a lot more video and a kid that is a, a that is a two star in Nebraska is a three star if he's playing down in Texas just because there's more awareness sure. I totally believe that i i'm not not uh well, saying that dave i, I have so, a question i have a question for you or or boomer too it doesn't matter um what does a star mean like like do we equate star to talent because if it is well, like you, I'll, I'll bring up an example from last year robert porsche yeah you know the son of an nfl great that was committed to nebraska and he commits here as a two-star and then all of a sudden he jumps from a two-star to a four-star. So if it's a quake, you know, if stars equal talent, then he's twice as talented. He must immediately go from lifting 200 pounds to 400. He runs from, goes from running a four-second, you know, whatever to a two-second. I mean, you know, cut everything in half or double it because he's twice as talented. Then he decommits from Nebraska after he, you know, he after he jumps up to a four-star, ends up at Virginia Tech. And when he's done with his entire recruiting system, he's a three-star. So in one recruiting cycle, a guy went from two to four to three. I agree. Nebraska, there's a there's a quarterback that was on campus here about a month ago, Tyler Slow or something, Shoe or something his last name is. Nebraska's kind of been lukewarm on him. They're waiting on a couple other, you know, big four star kids. This kid's a three star. Five point five is his decimal rating on, on rivals. I'm curious to see what happens with him in the next couple of weeks because Alabama offered. And shocking when Alabama offers, all of a sudden that kid's gonna be a six point one five star. And and we just we just believe it. So so I'm sorry that was a very long question. I'm not as good as asking questions, Dave, as you are here. So what I'm what I'm I'm asking you guys: What does a star even mean? Well, I I don't know rivals as well as you, so I really can't answer that. You know, I I I 
don't know how they do their evaluations, to be honest with you. It sounds like they're highly influenced by who offers recruits. Um, I've, I've, I've read that before, where if Alabama offers somebody, they, they go up. If uh, Nebraska offers somebody, they go up not as much. If it's just uh, Ohio, they, they go up just a little bit, right? I mean, so... I, I mean, that's ridiculous if that's how it works. Um, but you're the one that subscribes to Rivals. Well, I mean, and I don't know that they're – and this isn't to pick on Rivals. I don't know that they're any different than ESPN or Scout oh, absolutely. or I hear 24-7 or any of those other ones. But, like, on the first week of the of the show, you get you guys, you know, you and Mac were kind of saying that I was referencing that the, our coaching staff is following what Rivals, you know, rankings are telling them. I don't believe any of that. In fact, it's – just to your point right there, well, they it would be better the opposite. Not. They have too much, too many people in that, that uh, office <laughs> well, that's, that they're just relying on rivals, man. That's Good very God. true. But but it, it actually would appear to be the the opposite thing. The football staffs all across the country, not just Nebraska, the football staffs are out there doing their evaluations and how they start to evaluate players and who they de- determine should should be on their you know recruiting list or not ends up changing the star systems of these recruiting systems. Yeah. You know, so rivals yeah. changes their their star ranking on someone based on, oh, now Alabama's, you know, offering them. So really, are these stars just for the fans then and the people who subscribe? Not even for the coaches? It seems to be <laughs> the case. The answer yes. <laughs> of course. Of course. It, you sure know, I mean, like it, it. there's no other way. I, again, it, no one's ever really explained I mean, what it, a star it, means. Think you know, about it. Alabama's probably had the number one class or at least a number two you know, top three class every year that Saban's been there pretty much. Is that correct? That I would guess. would sound right. They would definitely be and, right up there every right. single And look, I mean, he he's won national championships, but he doesn't win every year. So he we wins the recruiting battle every single year, but he is does not win the, the, the title every single year. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and, you know, and, and obviously Bama's great. I mean, they, they make it to the – to the you know the the final four each of the last three years are the only ones to do that. But again, you know, it, it's it's just a self feeding thing. And when you're when you're great, when Nebraska in the '90s, those early classes that actually led the titles weren't top twenty classes yeah. every year. One was, and then the next one wasn't. But by '95 and '96, those classes would have been ranked top ten because we were Nebraska, and if yeah, we're offering yeah, exactly. you, you're a five star kid. You know, I mean, it's just that's just the name of the game. When did uh, rivals and others start actually releasing those those rankings? I mean, when did this become a business? Well, I mean, what I recall, seeing, I mean, it's early two thousands, roughly. And then, you know, when we got Callahan here, Callahan had a big history back in Chicago with Tom Lemming, and surprise, surprise, our two thousand five class was the highest ranked by Lemming, and uh, and you know, you could you could look at that, and and some of those players were really good. I mean, and there were some really good players that came off that list. Now we had like twenty eight or thirty two guys on that that on that recruiting class too, so you have more opportunities for guys to to really hit. But we had some guys that really hit. We had some guys that really didn't. You yeah. know, that's just like any class, right? A, a big part of the recruiting class is the size too. What's the story with us only having like fifteen scholarships this year? I thought it was going to be around twenty, but now they're saying they're only going to have fifteen. Is that right? Well, see, I don't know if they're waiting on an example would be like Jordan Pop is a. Yeah. a incoming walk-on from Central City. But just from what I've heard is that if he does the right things over his redshirt year, they're expecting him to to be a scholarship guy a year from now. Maybe that's – maybe there's some examples like that where they're holding off a few things. I don't – I mean, just mathematically, it, it, they were saying 
most people were saying up to this week that it was going to be about 20. And so maybe, but there could be some spots that are, you know, that's they're a very they're, small class is my point. Yeah. It's not going to be big anyways. To, and, and so for all the fans, that's going to clearly uh, impact the ranking. There's no way we're going to stay in the top 10 with all. Correct. Yeah. So like you said, Dave, recruits. you're number nine today, but that's going to be, right. you know, by the end of it, if you only have 15 kids, you're, you're going to fall down just because of that. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. I mean, from a Big Ten perspective, Penn State second. Uh, this is I'm looking at rivals right now. Ohio State fifth, Nebraska ninth, Northwestern eleventh because they have thirteen commits already. But uh, yeah, they, they uh, did the same thing last star. year. Yeah, Minnesota's got twelve with uh, eleven three stars. Michigan at fourteen, and Wisconsin at sixteen. Awfully good uh, start there for the Big Ten. And now. Nebraska ball. All right, next on the Go Big Redcast is Nebraska ball. You know, it's off season, obviously, uh, but a lot of things have been shaking over there for Tim Miles and crew. Uh, had four transfers this year, which is above the national average of, I think, 2.3 or something like that. Uh, you know, the, the word on the street at the end of the season was that we weren't going to lose anybody. Then we lost uh, Dry Horn. We lost Jacobson. We lost Ed Morrow, which was a shock because he's a legacy. Um, you know, uh, Boomer, you're, for, for our group, is usually the uh, the first one to know about these things. He's on the top of the, the Twitter and, and other social media. Uh, you think we're done this year with uh, transfers out of Nebraska? Well, you'd hope we would be, but, you know, I said the same <laughs> thing last year when June rolls around and suddenly White decides Syracuse is a better fit for him, so... Given this, this program the way it is, you can never say, you know, we're done with transfers. Is there but. anybody that's a, could be a potential senior transfer? I mean, we lost Fuller. That was the fourth transfer. There's no one else that would transfer out, would they? I, I don't particularly see one. I mean, where would they go? Who would want one of them? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Horn committed to Tulsa this week. So that, clearly a bit of a downgrade, at least from a conference standpoint. I don't know if maybe that fits his his style of play better. Uh, we ended up landing Thomas Allen this week, uh, Rivals' top 150 uh, guard, uh, shooting guard essentially, I think, point guard, shooting guard. Um, and previously committed to NC State, coaching change there. Uh, looks like a, a good pickup uh, offensively. Probably a promise a lot of playing time. He took us over uh, Kansas and some other big offers. Yeah, and he was a surprising pickup for me too. I, you know, given the way Miles has been with his recruits in the past, you always kind of wonder who we were going to get to replace anybody if he'd had anyone on his radar who was actually yeah. a quality target. But this guy seems to be. I don't know if he got his great plane well, states clearly, that are vaguely squarish confused, but he certainly picked <laughs> Nebraska. That's right. Yeah, I mean, he was he was actually we were after him last fall, and he we he didn't pick us. So that's actually a pretty quality pickup, um, and probably a contributor. I'm a little more concerned about the guy we got. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his name. Uh, and Honky, I think you had it earlier. It was Dubby Okiki, correct? Uh, from uh, Winthrop. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hey, anybody know the uh, um, mascot of Winthrop? Oh, there's some kind of like a Eagles pelican or there's oh, like a bird. Skip jumps in right away. He already got it. Eagles. Uh, Correct. Uh, Good call. Good call. Uh, anyway, he's 6'9", maybe 6'8". You never know how to measure those guys. Um, whopping three points a game last year. Does seem to be a defensive presence. Uh, led uh, uh, 
the These are all-time shot blockers. And all-time leader. shot blockers. So, so no, we've lost four. We've got two back. So how many scholarships do we have out there? Or how many um, uh, roster spots we'd have out we there? We still for? have two more. Two more that they yep. need we to were fill. Fi- we were filled up at 13 and then lost four. At, yeah, and yeah. that includes, you know, that included Webster gone. Um, exactly. we, we lost four. We were down to nine, and now now we're back up to right. 11. And the big recruit uh, high school-wise from Illinois, I'm going to butcher his name too, a, a Kenton. That sounds um, right, yes. Yeah, uh, I've really been rising the board. So, I mean, we'll have some new faces there. The question is, is can they actually save uh the the miles regime i mean when these transfers were happening it was it felt like it was a dumpster fire it's like who was gonna shut the door on their way out um it's pretty much a a a situation where miles has to get us to the tournament next year to save his job any thoughts on that i course seems to be you know pretty lenient on so far yeah you know we've heard a lot about um People are really hesitant for some reason to sit there and say we have to to make the NCAA tournament. You know, I've I've heard a number of different media outlets mm-hmm. saying, well, you know, but what if we're on the bubble and this or that? Well, the point is, is that we really shouldn't we be on the bubble. The NIT with Miles for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, we should at this point we shouldn't be on the. But we've gone three straight losing seasons. These are bad years. Now, now that doesn't you know if you feel like you you have something going on that that's going to be good next year. That's when you don't make that fire. And so a month ago, you know, I was, I don't know, called a little bit of apathy, but I was like, ah, fire knee or don't fire, or not knee, Miles. Fire him or, <laughs> fire him or don't fire him, right? You know, it's like either way, you know, I it was called apathy, was but, but I felt that there was enough coming back. Then when everybody starts transferring out, then you're like, well, holy smokes, if next year is going to be a dumpster fire anyways, might as well get rid of him now and try to, try to you know, get ahead of year. He's got some talent here, no doubt. And... Yeah, it just depends. Like I would look at it a little bit like Knee had the same type of season back in what was it ninety? It was the Rich King year, the senior year, where going leading up to that, we had about three straight really bad losing seasons, and yeah, so it was. I think that I think that kind of ultimatum was probably close to being on Danny Knee too. Although Knee and Devaney were kind of drinking buddies, so you know that was Knee probably that, had a little bit more leash. But I don't think Miles is Eichhorst's drinking buddy. So I would look at next season and go, you That'd really, be awesome if they were. You better be in that NCAA tournament next year unless unless like everyone gets hurt. I mean, it's got to be something insane. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I don't know. We'll we'll see on that. Um I mean, I, 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 obviously I was I I personally was one of the biggest Miles supporters when when he took them to the tournament in year two. I was like, I think this is this is the guy that's going to do it. We're going to be consistent NCA uh, qualifiers, and we can go Sweet Sixteens, and finally win that NCA tournament game. And it sure hasn't gone that way. You know, one thing Didn't he that won the Coach my, of the Year award that year. After that conference, I think he did. Oh, See the Big Ten yeah. Coach of the Year, I think. So. That sounds okay. For some reason, I thought he had a national award, even, but which that's is odd as it you know for nebraska basketball as you're going to get but what do you think it should be the expectation of nebraska basketball for fans guys next season or in general just in general what should we uh accept you know seems like in football we have a certain expectation but in other sports it can vary basketball seems like we're far more apathetic to you know mediocrity i'm gonna i'm gonna sound a little bit like a you know uh i'm repeating myself from football but for one an expectation I would have is I would think every year we can get one in-state kid out of this state, recruiting-wise. 
And over the course yeah, of a four-year span, that would be four, guys, yeah. four out of your 13 players, right? Right now, to me, it, to just to start off the expectation discussion, it's an absolute embarrassment that 15 years have gone by, basically, since we've recruited in-state kids, going back to the DeRusso and Roy Enright and you know Wes Wilkinson. Sure. But, you know, and I'm not – and let me be very clear to say that just because we would have recruited some Nebraska kids during that time, I'm not saying that – we would have been, you know, winning national titles and all that either. But I'm just saying it's embarrassing that 15 years have gone by, and it's not because the state had no talent. We can go down the whole list. We lost the, a lot of guys. Oh my God, Akoya yeah, Gow, absolutely. and you've got you've got the the uh, the kid from up in Shadron, that 6'11 kid Eliason, that went up to Minnesota, Minnesota, and you've got the guard Gasell yeah. from South South Sioux City that went to Iowa yep. and was a four year starter. And you, Creighton's had kids now. Decker, obviously, it's true. And, and and you know we had Matt Hill from Lincoln go all the way down to, to Texas. We've had enough yep, players. Right. Heck, the last time Tim Miles, or when Tim Miles took South, uh, Colorado State to the uh, tournament, oh, he, he had, had four, four Nebraska, Nebraska kids on the, guys on, on the stinking team. His, so yeah. there have been players. Yeah, we there. got a right. Colorado State expert there. Skip, is that right? He had hey, four yeah, guys on his. Yeah. He he had the Smith brothers from Omaha. Oh yeah. Uh, he had Jesse Carr from Ainsworth. Ainsworth. And then uh, Wes Eichmeyer. Uh, oh yeah. Who originally was an Iowa State. Yep. Transfer, but to your point, he went to Iowa State instead of. But it, it's yeah. amazing with the Nebraska- that's befuddling been, to me. I don't. We've understand been internationally how crappy. Like I can't believe when you go down like you know Shane Ping and Almeida. And Neiman and Stan Hardinger, the German guys, and yeah, Jorge right. Diaz. With the if it wasn't for Alex Marich and Webster, right now, you know, kind of saving the day internationally, I we have we couldn't have gone further to get guys that did nothing for us. You know that that sport yeah. apathy is is and apathy is the best word for it. And you know, we talked about it, Dave three years ago when we went to the uh, to the No Sit Sunday. You know, everything was. Everything was, awesome. was in the future for this program. It just everything was looking up. You're even going to have New most arena. of that team coming back. And mm-hmm. it was the arena and the practice thing. It was those two mm-hmm. places, the practice facility and the arena, were the things that were holding us back forever. Well, now we've had three really unexplainable bad seasons that would have gotten anybody else fired, uh, a.k.a. Yeah. look at Illinois right now. Absolutely. You know, that guy came in right when Miles did and, and, and had more success. Um, I got a question. How are you supposed to evaluate these coaches uh, in this day and age of this transfer ep- epidemic in college basketball, um, you know, y- you could take this, this can be applied to many programs, but sure. doing it to Nebraska, you know, you have Petaway who's leaving a year early. Uh, crushed us. To be undrafted. Um, and in your mind and in Miles' mind, hey, I've got an all-conference player coming back for his senior year. We're gonna we're gonna be good, and then out of nowhere, it's not like he was a lottery pick. He's like, I'm gonna leave. Yeah. So how do you hold that against Miles when you're losing thirty yeah, well, percent of your scoring? You, keep, you know, I mean, that's out of the question. blue, unexpectedly. I think the fact they're late. losing him kind of speaks to the problem there. Yep. I mean, other teams yep. can keep some of those players. We're not. Other teams seem to be able to replace them better, and we certainly hesitant to say we've done that yet at this point. We'll see what these new recruits bring, but. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I think the top line programs. You have something like Kentucky; they just live on one and dones now. You're right, right, but, right. I, one but, and done is a but then, completely separate. Right. And category. then you have like other top line know programs. Who they are coming into it, like like Kansas, uh, who does keep someone like Frank Mason uh, through his entire career, and and same thing with like North Carolina. They they 
keep you know guys like Kennedy Meeks uh, in there for a long time. And disclaimer, they, they Dave, pay off. Dave is a Tar Heel Blue guy for basketball. In addition, <laughs> well, to, it's because to, to our beloved Go Big Red, because Nebraska does. never plays in March, so you have to find somebody else to root for. Um, <laughs> and Winthrop but, doesn't do it for you, huh? Yeah, yeah no, they don't. <laughs> but I guess and the, Creighton the skips, doesn't do it for you. The skips point uh, is. The the transfer scenario here, Andrew White is even worse than Petaway. At least Petaway gave us, uh, you know, a, a really good year, and he was um, a fifth, two seasons. Fourth, yeah, but he was a fourth year junior who, yeah, um, I mean, yes. struck with that iron was hot. Andrew yeah. White got his evaluation from the NBA, said, told him not to come out, and then he transfers to Syracuse. Guy, guy drops 18 points a game for Syracuse, and, I mean, he was their leading scorer. Um, that was a huge crush. You have Andrew White on this team. I don't know about the chemistry standpoint, but you sure think that we uh, have a, a better overall record and better conference record than what we did. Um, but my, my, my that, question a really with, good question. My question with knee. God damn, I keep saying knee. <laughs> my, my question, my question with knee. Wait, wait, wait. You still wait, have Danny knee here. Skip, skip. To your point about like the transfers, maybe the difference with Miles a little bit is, and and you know, correct me if you, if you think I'm wrong, guys, but it seems like with Miles, he's more shocked, or it's more of a surprise when these guys leave. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. With we kind of knew Nick Fuller was going to go, and like even like in Miles's. You know, Miles' statement when Fuller left was like, yeah, we kind of all knew that was going to happen. See ya, you know. But all these other ones, it's getting like a little, uh, you know, a little crazier through each one. It's like, you know, okay, just send out the release of, you know, the the, the, yeah, the canned about- release of we appreciate what, what insert player's name is here, what that person's done and and, and all this. But uh, these, they he was shocked when White left. He seemed shocked, genuinely shocked when Jacobson and Morrow left. I think Horn... Yeah. He at, at one point during the season, there was concern that Horn was going to leave, but then Miles said that he had talked with all the freshmen, and and, and he said that kind of like into the into the conference part of the year that he had talked to all the right. freshmen. They're all coming back, so at the very least, he seems more shocked than any other coach when the, when these guys are gone or leaving. Yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, Ed Morrow is probably the one that was most frustrating, right? I mean, uh, legacy guy who to to his credit, you could say that he was being misused um by miles as a center he's six seven uh yeah. why is he playing that much in the post um i don't know if he can actually play the a, a true swing position or not but it seems like that's what he wants to do and he was probably not going to get that opportunity he was going to continue to have to to do the minutes down low at, at nebraska so i don't know very very difficult uh you know i coursed um as a AD has mentioned that he now wants to take this on. Uh, he did a lot with Nebraska or, or NCA football recruiting. So this whole transfer phenomenon might be something that I, of course, will get his hands on as well. Mm-hmm. It, going into this season, there was, um, I did a little research on this, a thousand. A it was thousand. approaching a thousand transfers on the D1 level. The year before, it was over 700. And that goes back to 2007, there were like 336. So in the past 10 years, there's been a 400% increase of D1 basketball. I think a lot of that has to be the AAU culture just, you know, seeping into. Yeah, into yeah it, right? I, I do. I think it 
they just have people in their ear their whole time of you have to have the ball you got to get your minutes yeah you got to get but your d- points Dave, from that that's that's aau ball style so you got family saying that you got their aau coaches saying that their high school coach saying that so this kid goes to this college and he's getting 18 minutes a game and they're like that's not good enough he's got his coaches his aau coaches his family all saying these things like you got to get minutes and that they're not using you right and you you got to get out of there yeah, you, you mentioned it earlier, Dave, like a guy like Jariah Horn. I mean, think of what this guy, it's not just these these uh, the guy from Winthrop. It's not just, you know, graduate senior transfers that can play right away. Yeah. Think of what Jariah Horn right now, think of how bad it had to be for him at Nebraska in his mind that yeah. it is worth it to go to Tulsa. And not just go to Tulsa. 4,000 people. Yeah, not, and Tulsa. he's not just going to Tulsa. He's sitting out a season to play at Tulsa. I mean, my God, our practice gym probably, you know, seats more than their actual arena. What, you know, but that, that was a better option in his mind. And it kind of blows I don't get me it away. At all. J- Jacobson is a guaranteed, you know, starter, you know, uh, a guy that was a real leader on a big 10 basketball program. And I've heard some talk of him, maybe having buddies at Iowa state and maybe I, maybe I'm misjudging Jacobson, but I just can't see him going. I can't see Iowa state taking him maybe they do i don't know but like but he's at the he's at a big 10 school and what these guys are giving up i it's almost like i i wonder if they have somebody in their ear actually saying like what is good about where you're at right now like aren't there positives well, of being Tulsa, at Nebraska? tulsa's got a they play a very up-tempo high scoring offense yeah horn so doesn't that, want to play any defense possibly score. he that that's sexy to him and that's what he well, wants. I kept and saying, they have made the ncaa saying, tournament in the last couple of years as well. I think in 2014 and 2016, they both yeah. they made it both those years. So, yeah. Well, you know, I kept saying knee earlier instead of miles, but to, to what knee did, that is the <laughs> one difference. If you go back to the Cipriano, Moiba, and then, oh, you know, God. into Barry Collier and, and Sadler and, and now miles in a lot of cases, we're talking about, you know, styles of systems that have been like, can we win games 52 to 51? And, Knee is the one guy out of all that that kind of maybe to your point there, Skip. He kind of runs the Tulsa style, right? You know, he, you yeah, know, it, it's fast paced. We're going to score ninety some points, and and it's fun to play. And boy, that seemed that's absolutely the 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 peak years of Nebraska basketball. You know, that's the just from a style standpoint. It's like I'm a little tired of the you know grinded out you know fifties kind of games. I mean, yeah, we're going to lose. Everybody it, else has always tried to slow it down, and and Knee was uh, successful. Speeding it up. So that's another. That'd be a great topic for another show. Yeah. Actually, is like, what's the type of coach and style that we should actually have here to be successful? You're listening to the Go Big Redcast, and now around the Van Horn. All right. Next up on the Go Big Redcast is around the Van Horn. This is our first baseball segment. Um, I really really like that name. Reference to Dave Van Horn, who uh, took us to a couple of College World Series. Uh, we're trying to get back there under Darren Erstad. Um, it's been, also uh, the only name I came up with of all the segments. So I'm. I'm, I'm oh really? Concerned. You came up with that <laughs> yes. one? Man, yes, I don't I like it quite as nothing. much any longer. Literally um, came up with nothing else, but that at was least it wasn't life. around the Danny knee. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Take a Danny knee. That's right. That's right. Can, well, you know, can we not have Boomer on anymore? <laughs> yeah, we can talk about Danny knee's wife someday. Um, anyway, baseball has uh, been able to get to the tournament a couple times in Erstad. They're once a back, once again back in that mix. 
they uh, beat Minnesota this weekend. Last weekend, they had a, a disappointing loss to Iowa. It was the first conference series loss, but they were able to salvage that Sunday game. Midweek, they ended up uh, losing to Creighton. Uh, Creighton's actually been turning their season around a little bit. They actually now uh, have a winning record. They're actually leading the Big East, I think, so that's not quite as bad of a loss as what it might have been a few weeks ago. And then Nebraska goes ahead and, and beats Minnesota two out of three. Uh, good start from Jake Hohensey on Friday night. Uh, Burke Camper struggles again on on Saturday. Um, similar score to uh, just reverse the, the total for Minnesota and Nebraska. And today we uh, had Jake Myers uh, win a six-game 9-4 victory for the Huskers. Uh, you know, I, I actually really like this team, Honk uh, and Boomer, uh, more so than the last couple of years. I think the pitching staff, a little bit of warts on it, but uh, a little deeper than what we have seen. Offensively, relatively balanced. Uh, we haven't seen Schreiber um, catch fire like he did last year, but Ben Miller has had a great year. And I think this is a pretty solid team. You know, the Big Ten has, I was looking at the RPI, RPI in baseball is big because it's really hard to judge college baseball teams that, um, you know, have very unbalanced schedules. And we have Maryland and Michigan in the top 30. Nebraska's 38th right now. Uh, Minnesota slipped back a bit, but Indiana's actually in the top uh, 35 or so as well. And Nebraska owns uh, series wins versus Indiana in Bloomington. Maryland in Lincoln. Uh, Maryland might be running away with the conference here. Uh, and then now Minnesota. So, And we don't play Michigan, who is the only other team out there. So I think Nebraska's in pretty good shape from a from a, a bid perspective. What is our um, updated got, RPI after the win today? Did you I think it's 38. Uh, okay, we're 38 actually, yeah. after today. Yeah, 38 okay. um, at 23, 15, and 1. That one's going to be frustrating all year long. Um, and really, you know, the the... the toughest part of our schedule from a conference perspective is is in the uh, rearview mirror now. I mean, we have Ohio State coming up uh, in Columbus. Rutgers, who actually, um, uh, I think, took the series versus Iowa this week, is actually a top 100 RPI. That's a, in, in Lincoln. And then we have Michigan State, another top 100. Um, but they got swept by the Terps this week. And then we finish up on the road in Happy Valley, which is uh, – a RPI killer Penn State's right now at 205. So really Penn State and Northwestern are the only two uh, Big Ten teams that are completely um, in the tank. Everybody else is relatively respectable with a pretty good top uh, top end of the, the conference for Big Ten purposes, right? I mean, this is not the Big 12 like what we were used to back in the day. Um, so Rutgers is relatively respectable. That's amazing at anything. So well, from an RPI perspective, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that's from an RPI perspective. I'm not going to say that they're actually uh, that, that, that we, we need to sweep those guys at home, no doubt. But the thing is, uh, Maryland is 12 and three in conference. Two of those losses from us, uh, but they have Indiana. Uh, I think it's a, in Bloomington this coming weekend, and after that they. They go through the uh, the back end of the conference. I think of Illinois, maybe, and another one. That they if they don't uh, if if Indiana doesn't sweep them or at least takes two from three, two or three from Maryland this week, it's going to be awfully t- tough to catch the Terps from the conference uh, standings. Even though we took the series from them, uh, but I think overall Nebraska is in pretty good shape again to make the tournament. Question is, is can Erstad actually get this group? 
beyond just making the tournament, right? We're typically a two or a three seed. We have to go on the road. I mean, I think we feel like if you get get a regional back in the, in Lincoln, that that's where uh, we can start making some noise. Yeah, you know, I don't. It seems like every time this team gets hot, then yeah. it's, it's followed by kind of the the Creighton loss and the Iowa. You know, that's when I get a, twi- you know, a, a, a loss. text then, from from Boomer saying, you know, that you know, every time they get our hopes up, they they crush them. Right? And then and then when your hopes are crushed, like I said, this has been a great week for Husker fans. We should we all need to have a smile because this was a great week. You know, our, our hopes yeah, are crushed in baseball, and then we come back and we beat Minnesota on the road. And so, you know, this is. I, I just get the feeling a little bit this is kind of how this the rest of the season is, could potentially go is this ebb and flow. Well, that's now, been the case with Erstad entire tenure here. Sure. I mean, he's never really. I remember all the way – I don't know how many years ago this would have been, Dave, but uh, Dorn was the, the was the pitcher for us. Maybe it would yeah. have been four or five years ago. Oh, longer than that. Oh, that would have been no. like that. Yeah. No, last it's time longer that than that. What am I thinking? Anderson would have been like oh, 05, oh, 06. Probably. I'm sorry. I was, I, I'm off oh, of my year, okay. but – there was a point there where we went like on a 20 game win streak through April and May. Right. And, and you know, if there's ever a year and you laid it out perfectly with that remaining schedule that we have, if there's ever a year for us to have that 15 straight wins, it's gotta be now. I mean, they've gone through the gauntlet of, of what we're going to play. Yeah. So, we should finish really strong this year. I agree. I agree. Um, Burke campers you know, got to go more than, you know, God, I think there's been two or three games here of late where Burke Camper's gone early. two two to three innings tops. You know, we we need more out of him, clearly, because Myers has been so dependable on Sundays and and uh has been, you know, more than respectable on Fridays. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're gonna try to uh win a regional and you gotta have three three starting pitchers that actually can deliver. So uh you know, a good thing about the the non conference uh, even though we lost a lot of those games that we wish we would have won. Uh, you know, Oregon State, number one RPI, number one in the country ranking-wise. Uh, we lost Ar- – uh, no, we beat – did we beat Arizona? I think we, we did. We beat that was Arizona the one time. Yes, we did. They're one uh, eight in the RPI. In yeah. Utah, I don't know where they are, but we beat them Utah's too. Utah's 35th now in the RPI. We have uh, actually a, a pretty good numbers when it comes to, to those things. You know, we lost Arkansas. They're 12th right now. Um, so was that, just a, was a that the bad those... loss? Did Arkansas kind of? Yeah, we lost like if... fifteen to five or something like that. Yeah. It was wasn't a great great loss. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we lost to Utah, but we did win one versus Utah, so that's something. But I mean, we're like six, yeah, six, six and one versus the top fifty RPI. Um, just the, the fact that we have thirteen games in the top fifty um, is is pretty solid stuff. So, um, well, how much has the Big Ten changed in the last five years in that regard? Oh, yeah. I remember. I remember when we got into the conference, they talked about how you know you basically would get your one auto auto bid. You know the 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 first yeah first place team would get a bid, yeah. and that was about it. Yeah, no, I think it's changed a lot. I mean, obviously they have been using the BTN money to upgrade the facilities. Everybody generally has a, a new or a renovated stadium. No one does anything uh, attendance wise compared to Nebraska. I think Indiana's top top thirty or forty. But if you look at the attendance sheet, Nebraska is a top five. Last year, that we I think we finished fourth or fifth in the in the country in a average attendance, or you know over five thousand a game. Um, and the next one is Indiana at like seventeen hundred. It just there's just not as much interest, and that's just a part of Nebraska being um, part of the you know College World Series uh, culture and the fact that we've actually 
been good in the past, but uh, it's definitely been a big change because I would say the top top six to eight teams in the Big Ten are very respectable, and I think we're going to be a four-bid league again this year, um, and that's uh, a testament to them taking baseball a little more seriously. So it's, it's, it's better than what it has been, that's for certain. Well, yeah, there was a point – as we were joining the league, there was one of the coaches that was talking. One of the conference coaches was saying that was we should Minnesota's go to some Anderson, summer. Yeah. What was he oh, saying? Like we yeah. should go to some summer. Yeah, split away from the NCAA altogether and just run our own little summer baseball kind of thing. That was that was the thought or a potential thought back when we were joining the Big yeah. Ten. Yeah, because yeah, that's always a, wood, a good idea. Break, break yeah, away wood, from the NCAA on something. Yeah, he wanted to do a wood bat league, um, which would have been completely different. Yeah. Um, which I, I think probably has some validity to it, but from a, a NCA standpoint, just ridiculous. So uh, I'm glad that that didn't happen. Yeah. And uh, a funny thing is Minnesota has been very, very competitive. You know, I mean, we have seen, you know, Purdue had a really good year and then they fall way back. Mm-hmm. Indiana, a couple of good years, fell a little bit back. They're already on the men though. I, I like Indiana as, as some staying power. I have seen some, you know, some real investment in some better coaches, Michigan, uh, brought the guy in from who was at Maryland be, before, um, and, and seems backage, I believe. Ohio State. It seems like uh, the the big boys, just from a, a spending uh, perspective, has put put some money into staff, not just facilities, and that's starting to pay off. Uh, so I, I'd like to think that um, Big Ten baseball is only going to get better, and that's a good thing for Nebraska because if you don't have to win the conference, if you can just in the top four uh, to make the tournament. And if you win the conference, then you should be starting to expect uh, in that type of league to, to get a regional. Uh, and so that, that would be the step in the right direction. Trivia time. Uh, speaking of Nebraska baseball, I got a trivia question for you guys uh, out of left field. Uh, Bob Cerf, uh former Nebraska uh, baseball player way back in the 50s, uh, major league uh, all-star, uh, actually, well known because he was Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris's roommate, um, 1961 season. Uh, passed away earlier this month. Can you guys? He's not in the uh, Major League Hall of Fame. Uh, Nebraska has six. The state of Nebraska has six Major League Hall of Famers. How many can you name? Just born for, can, in the state of Nebraska that played yep, baseball. That's right. Oh that's boy, right. Uh, I, can, I can think of maybe. Two or three. Well, Wade Boggs would be one. Correct. Wade Boggs. Oh, nice. shoot. I never. Richie Ashburn, uh, the Tilden guy. Yeah. Has to that's be right. Richie Ashburn. Yep. You got it. And Grover Cleveland Alexander. Yeah, Grover Cleveland Paul, Alexander would be my next choice. Yeah. Right. From St. Paul. Was nice. Bob Gibson born in Nebraska? Uh, yes. yes, he was. Yeah, he'd be another one. Okay. I give up now. Oh, okay. That was really good. That's four right there. Way more than I thought you guys would get. That's, what about that's Sam actually. Crawford? Is he in the... Sam Wahoo Crawford. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh. Five. All uh, right. Can you get number six? Wade Boggs. Six. That's, still, that's a good one. God. Yeah, I would have I would have missed Wade Boggs. I would have got the other He five. had some play uh, on the side, too, when he was a when he was a player, didn't he? he you know, kind of the Danny's wife thing, right? Wade Boggs? I <laughs> yeah. have no idea. <laughs> I just know he ate chicken all the time and never stopped. Let's continue on with this conversation. Who would be number six? six. I'll give you five more seconds. Uh, That I don't know. uh, Give a hint, like an era, maybe. If this is like 1800s, I I give up. Yeah, this is way way back. Way back. Dazzy Vance. Oh, geez. Well, of course. Hastings. 
Yep. Nope, wouldn't have gotten that one. Off the nope. tongue. Yep. Yep. Well, that's pretty good, guys. That's a cool name, six. though. Dazzy Vance. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I might change my, my name to that, actually. All right. And wrapping up the Go Big Red cast, we've got a few uh, loose ends here. Uh, Boomer, I asked you a question at the beginning of the show or early in the show on Nebraska quarterbacks drafted in the NFL. Do you, you got an answer for me on, on that? I believe I do with what I could compile in the 30 or 40 minutes we had here. Um, I do have a list put together. Would you like to take a stab at it? Or? Honky, I'll let you do it. I have no idea. Okay, well, I, I know for – okay, and we're talking about quarterbacks are drafted as a quarterback. Am yes. I correct? Not like Jamal Lord, Eric Crouch. Correct. Frost. I mean, there's yeah. a couple of easy ones, right? I mean, like Dave Hum. Dave Hum and Farragama are easy ones. And Farragama right. are easy, right? You know, Jerry Taggy and Van Bronson, I think we're both drafted. Rats. There's four. Okay. Um, did um. How about Dennis? Oh, Claridge? Dennis Claridge. Yeah, the yes. first. So correct. Um, did we have a guy like Bob Churchitz or something like that? Does, oh yeah, Bob Churchitz. Gosh, no, I don't no. even know he played quarterback. I'm just throwing a name out there, all of a sudden. Um, okay, so th- I just named five. Boomer, is there how many more? Or am I missing? Well, there was a total of nine that I could uh, put together real quick. So okay. So we know that like Scott Frost was drafted, but he didn't wasn't drafted as, as a quarterback. As a um, okay, same but, thing with uh, maybe there's a '70s guy here somewhere. I'm, uh, oh, uh, oh, geez. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm done. I have nothing. Boomer, I, any yeah. hints or? Uh, I'll tell yeah. you, there's no more '70s guys. They're all post '70s. Yeah. They're post seventies. Yeah, some it's, of these are kind of tricky. Okay, so okay, so there was a point where the NFL draft had like you know eighty two. Oh, rounders. twelve. So, yeah, there were so twelve, did, thirteen rounders did here. Cleet Blakeman, they may not have did, all played in the NFL per se, but they were drafted. Okay, well, so um, Turner Gill was drafted by the CFL, right? Yeah. I mean, is he I didn't one see of the guys on the list? No, he's not on the list. Well, that's CFL, so not this is okay. NFL. Was uh, the question. Mark so. Maurer was he? One no, of them. no, not one of them. Cleet Blakeman. Nope, doing good, though. Yeah. How about Keith Jeff and McCant? Sandberg. Keith and McCant is correct, yes. Keith and McCant nice. was, did Sandberg? Was he? Nope. Um, Mike Street Grant. remaining. So. Mike Grant. Um, I, I just curious, did like, was Brooke Berenger, did they do like a, a did somebody do like an honorary one or anything? Not that him? I'm aware of, no. Okay. He certainly didn't make the list. Okay. Did they do anything honorary in the NFL? Come on, unless they got a tax well, break for it. No they way. had they had a, a moment. Of, they had a moment of silence at the NFL draft for, for Brooke, you but I didn't know if somebody did that. All right, um, who are we missing? Boomer. Let's see. We had uh, Bruce Bruce Matheson was drafted. Yeah. Uh, Steve Taylor was drafted in the twelfth round, but he didn't play. He for was the Colts. drafted. Jerry yeah, Godowski is the other remaining one. Oh, Godowski, man. The, the, the Fremont yeah. bomber. Yep, yeah, everyone forgets him. So. Yeah, that was pretty legit. Godowski. All right. Throw. Huh. All right. All right. Well, a, could have been worse. Could have been worse. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, Boomer, we didn't really introduce you at the beginning. You know, our f- first shows, we're, we, we wax poetic about ourselves uh, and why we're excited to do the show. Anything you want to add? Uh, tell tell the, the fans a little bit about yourself. Well, I just know excited to be a part of this and excited to introduce uh, or possibly reintroduce uh, Nebraska's greatest coach, Ewald uh, Jumbo Steam, to the viewing public. So <laughs> Yes, there it is. You want My a statue, statue of that a statue. Yep. This is actually how we're going to get a statue. of. Tell us a little bit more about Ewald Jumbo Steam. Well, Ewald Jumbo Steam, he is uh, 
one of Nebraska's possibly finest coaches, dual sport. He coached uh, both uh, football and men's basketball. He won the Missouri Valley every year he coached here in football and uh, conference championships. Three, yes, like conference it. championships and three out of the four years he coached men's basketball. Didn't like his, his football teams like ever lose? Weren't they always on? Uh, they were heavily, uh, heavily undefeated most seasons. Uh, he actually was part of a 34 game winning streak in Nebraska football history. This was in the so 20s. if we were in Michigan, no, we would. Teens. Yes, we, we would were, claim like 27 national titles somehow with. Uh, oh yeah, if we were Michigan, yeah. if we were Michigan so, doing this, yeah, correct, very yes. good, completely. So, he actually holds the yeah. highest winning percentage for a uh, football coach here in Nebraska that coached for more than a year. So. Was and he the coach? Why did he, was he the coach when we had a winning record against the uh, Four Horsemen? Uh he did play Notre Dame once and did defeat them. Correct. So. Okay. Be damn. Yep. We are the That's only more school, the 20s, by the way. Right? He was the team. We're the only school so. to have a winning record against the uh, the Four Horsemen. So. We got yeah. here in 1911 course, to 1915. Is, nice. is his, uh, is his Why did he leave? He left because he wanted more money, and our uh, our fine administration back then decided they really didn't want to spend money on athletics. So yeah. hmm. things have changed. Just a slight well, bit, yes. So. so now we know the only reason that Boomer is on the show is to try to get a Jumbo Steam statue outside of Memorial Stadium. So you're going to be hearing a lot about this, folks. He gives uh, us a nice you know historical what? twist. I mean, that's what we like Boomer. I support that. the effort. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I well, think we need to remember. Yeah, it seems remember. our program, yeah, we don't recognize anything that seems to happen, you know, pre-Devaney. And that that's unfortunate, yeah. I think. It really well, is. With so the only exception of the heroes, um, uh, the entrance from the tunnel, you know, that that's where they put all those, uh, oh, like uh, – George Flippins on that. True, and, true. And oh, yeah. Sam yeah. Francis, yeah. those guys are on those doors. But that's like the only – you're absolutely right. That's the only place that does any anything recognizing football before 1962 here, which is crazy because yeah. we had a heck of a tradition. Yeah, absolutely. This is a good way to, to wrap up the show, actually, because it kind of leads us into one of our next topics. But it, it, it is a, it's an interesting because if we didn't have such great success between 1890 and 1940 or so, we wouldn't be a, a – top three or four winning percentage program right i mean or and have as many total wins as we do um it was those initial 40 or 50 years that uh built the uh the fan base even though there's a 20 year lapse in the you know 40s and 50s um that, that bob devaney resurrected so um i think it is important that we remember those those years we were immediately um, ranked when the ap poll started coming out in the late 30s, uh, 30s, San yeah. Francis finished 36. second in one of the very first Heisman's. We were, you know, we built a new stadium. With lots during of great that time coaches. And, mm-hmm. Dana X Bible. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, the the, the yeah. wins against Notre Dame and beating Pop Warner and, and the Minnesota teams of that time. I mean, it was an unbelievable first fifty years of football, and it doesn't get talked about enough. And and yeah, so well, football didn't start with Devaney, but he he brought it back. Well, Boomer's going to change that. Uh, and maybe that could start next next week because I think one of our topics might be actually kind of NU's place in uh, college football um, today and kind of how we got there. Uh, we we tackled some recruiting this week, but I think a good uh, topic is just uh, where where we are as a program um, in, in college football. So uh, let's wrap it up this week uh, for the uh, Go Big Redcast, and thanks for joining us. Uh, see you see you next week. We love you, Mac. Go Big Red. Thank you.